last year I was working with the uh, San Diego Legion uh, here in the MLR, which is a major league rugby in the U.S. And Ma Nanu was on the team, so I mean, you know, just just hanging out with that guy, just talking to him, just watching, you know. And me, we're kind of watching it, you know, like as a coach, just noticing things that other people wouldn't notice. But you know, it's like you always come to training and just got these little kind of quirks and habits and you know at the end of at the end of his workout he's always got his little bag with his supplements and his protein shake and just like little things like that you know a lot of the rookies on the team they're probably not even noticing but it's like well that's why you know he is the Michael Jordan of rugby he's one of the best in the world and he's still you know however old he is and he's still playing at the highest level you know it's like so it's like little things like that and again that just to me is part of that like winning culture Yo, Ryan Hartley here from the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. Welcome to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions to inspiring people. I I have one goal in mind for our time spent together, to leave you a little bit better than you were just before pushing play in your heart and in your mind. I am Ryan Hartley. Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. If this is your first time here, I really don't take your time for granted. I'm grateful that you've pushed play and I hope that whatever you hear in the next half an hour will inspire you in your leadership, inspire you to be better in some way. I hope you'll hear something that if implemented will absolutely leave you and those around you a little bit better. If you are not part of our Always Better Than Yesterday Facebook community, come over and join us. The easiest thing to do is search me out on Instagram at Ryan B. Hartley. Click the link in my bio. You'll have all the links to take you to the good stuff part of our Always Better Than Yesterday community, the YouTube, this podcast, our community. You can even take your free life language profile, which will give you insights into your uh, communication, how you communicate with yourselves and others. But that's enough about me. That's enough about always better than yesterday. Thank you for taking the time for being here. Thank you to Web Creation. These interview sessions are brought to you by our great friends at Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. Today on episode 121, I'm joined by coach Matthew Busson. Matthew grew up in California moved to Australia, moved to England, and has been involved in sport, high-level elite sport, playing, coaching, uh, rugby, MMA, physical, mental health and performance is what Matthew is all about. He brings unique outsider perspectives, and I hope that really comes through in this conversation. He has worked with greats like Andrew Luck, like Ma Nonu, some real sporting greats. He is a coach on the Conor McGregor Fast app. It's a great conversation. Hope it inspires you in some way. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. This is episode 121 with coach Matthew Busson. Always love. Matt, I'm so glad you're on the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Welcome, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Where are you in the world at the moment? Uh, Hermosa Beach in sunny California. 
oh, man, I'm so envious. I'm so envious. We're <laughs> I don't know. The middle the of winter year, here. Maybe not. <laughs> it's been a little weird <laughs> over the past year, but I mean, yeah, it's definitely a good place to be stuck in quarantine and all that. It's, you know, we've got the beach like a block away, so definitely no complaints. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're not a native Californian? Um, well, kind of yes and no. I was actually, I was born here, but um, I, I grew up in Australia. Um, so I lived in Sydney, Australia until I was about 14. Uh, moved back to California, went to high school here, um, left high school, went to London, actually studied in London for a year, uh, right mm-hmm. there in the University of London, and then left again, and then moved back to Australia for university. So I've kind of kind of been all over the place. So kind of, I guess, a, a, a native Californian by way of everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We, uh, I'm sure we're going to get talking about your new project uh, and the thing that you're pursuing. <laughs> but before we get to that, I, I'd just love to hear a bit more about your story. I'd love to know kind of a bit more about your background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess, yeah. So I guess to start off, I'm born in, born in California, moved to Australia. Um, so I always kind of had like a real weird or not weird, but I guess unique perspective, you know, just growing up um, and then also spending time in London, um, especially around the sports, you know, especially as a kid, just, just playing multiple different sports and um, growing up in Australia, I played a lot of rugby and then coming to the U.S., getting into, you know, a lot of the more kind of traditional U.S. sports, played a lot of basketball mm-hmm. as a kid, too. Um, and then I guess that as I got older and older and older and finished high school, wasn't really quite sure what to do. And that's why I, I went to London. So I actually did a, a, a just a liberal arts degree. So I kind of did a little bit of everything, um, studied a lot of, I guess, the, the humanities, social, uh, social studies, art, and, uh, stuff like that in London, which I absolutely loved. Uh, and then moved back to Australia when I was 19. Um, and then my local university um, had a rugby team as well. So I started playing with that with, you know, the hopes to uh, just keep moving my way up the, up the ranks. And so I started with the club team and then I was able to practice with the local, I guess, you know, semi-pro team at that level. And that was kind of my goal and dream is, you know, if, uh, just to be a professional athlete and, and take that as far as I could. Unfortunately, we were like a week after my 21st birthday, I broke my ankle like really, really badly. Mm. Um, so that pretty much kind of you know derailed any type of career that I was looking for. But mm. I know I wanted to stay around um, that kind of, I guess, environment, you know, people that just want to be the best in the world at whatever it is that they're doing. Mm. Um, so then that's what kind of led me into... I guess, well, with my own ankle injury, obviously got into a lot of the rehab side of things, you know, trying to get myself back, you know, at the time, especially, you know, being only 21, I was like, oh, I'm going to come back, you know, I'm still going to play, you know, still going to have a career and just didn't really quite get there, um, just could never really quite rehab, you know, uh, I guess, effectively or, or, or properly. And so that was what really kind of steered me towards getting stuck into the research side of things, you know, as a sports scientist, I was already doing my bachelor's degree at the time, which was in uh, sport and exercise science. So I kind of just went full bore into that, you know, with the m- mindset of, you know, still, I'm still, you know, one of the most competitive people that I know. Um, and, and I knew, okay, well, if I'm not going to compete and be an athlete, well, I still want to be around that environment. So I'm going to get into coaching and I want to be the best possible coach, you know, mm-hmm. of course me, you know, just my attitude, I want to be the best coach on the face of the planet. Uh, you know, it's not really something that's measurable, of course, but you know, that's always kind of, I guess, my goal and intent. You know, mm-hmm. is it like, if I'm not going to be the best, I want to be around the best. And so that kind of led me into towards my career that you now, now I've been doing for, for just a bit over 10 years now. Um, and I've been fortunate just to work with some really amazing athletes, coaches and, and, and different opportunities around the world. So worked with a little bit of rugby, quite a lot of American uh, college football and, and, mm-hmm. and NFL done a bit of consulting for the NFL over the years. Um, and then one, I guess one of my first loves, which was mixed martial arts. And that's what kind of really got me into the full contact side of sports back when I was a kid, um, especially growing up in two different places. So in, in Sydney, uh, 
uh, I was in Sydney, Australia, right when um, uh, September 11 happened back in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, and the area that I was in was 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 quite heavily populated by Muslims and things like that. So I got I got pretty heavily bullied at the time, you know, being like 12, 13, 14 years old. And mm-hmm. um, I think that was kind of one of the reasons what made me want to move to the U.S. And I got stuck in a mixed martial arts. And, you know, again, that was my attitude. I'm going to be a pro fighter. I'm going to be a pro fighter. Nothing else matters. And so mm-hmm. pretty much from like 17, 18, 19, 20, before I moved back to Australia, it was just all mixed martial arts. So I've kind of gone back and forth between, um, you know, like Australia and and the U.S. with a number of different sports and opportunities, you know, whether it be actually in the research. So I was doing a I was doing a Ph.D. and I've I've got a couple um, studies that were published back in the day and kind of was like, so that was like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. You know, just being stuck Mm -hmm. in a lab with, you know, no windows and I'm just crunching data and analyzing numbers all day long. You know, I was like, I want to get more into the coaching side of things. And Mm -hmm. so that's why I started kind of steering myself more towards, like I said, the, the functional, um, functional, you know, training side of things, the rehab side of things, and then really just kind of trying to pave a way or career that, you know, kind of really, I guess, encompasses both on the course of the massive, you know, um, uh, psychology behind that as well you know dealing with athletes you know have extreme injuries and then trying to get them back you know back to playing or competing or or whatever it might be so just kind of taking I guess those life lessons that I had things that I had learned um, from the phenomenal coaches that I have had you know uh, on and off throughout my career and then you're kind of using that to kind of tailor my own career as a coach now being able to give that advice to you know not only athletes but like students clients you know members. I mean, I've been in the fitness industry, you know, in so many different shapes and forms now over the last 10 years, I kind of, I, you know, a lot of my friends always make the joke, you know, it's like every year I start getting itchy feet. It's like, I, I can't stay in one place for too long. You know, it's people always ask me where I'm from and I have such a hard time answering that question. Cause it's like, I want to, you know, just instinctually answer, like I'm from earth. Like I'm just mm-hmm. a person here that, you know, I'm, I'm stuck in this body and this is what I can do with it. So I just want to, you know, travel around and share as much as possible. So mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of it in a nutshell <laughs> from uh-huh. beginning to end, a long, long story short. Yeah, no, mate, I'm going to dive into some, there's a number of things I want to know about. And and, and you've shared recently around um, the the magnetic field of the heart and, you know, I just, where's your head, where's your mind, heart and mind going with that type of information? Is that informing yeah. some of the ways you show up? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's kind of funny. So I, I guess not to use the word conspiracy theorist, but just because it's such a topical word right now, a lot Mm -hmm. of friends and people that I've known over the years have always labeled me as that. But the funny (laughs) part is that it's really, I'm just uh, ahead of my time, uh, so to speak. And I don't know what it is. uh, Just, again, I think it's, you know, a very unique upbringing that I had and being, you know, raised in so many different environments and kind of being able to see things from a different perspective and connect dots that a lot of people might not be able to connect. You know, Mm -hmm. for example, like right off the top of my head, you know, if I only went to high school in the U.S., I would only have one kind of channel of education. But because I went to this, I went to school in Australia as well. I have an outside of the U.S. perspective as well, mm-hmm. and then also spending that time studying in London too. So I guess mm-hmm. to answer your question, I got into, uh, or I came across. Um, so okay, I'll, I'll go all the way back. I read a book called *Rise of the Superman* by Stephen Kotler back in I want to say 2014 or 2015. Um, and it was kind of right as I was just starting to work with um, some junior Olympian um, Australian like ski and snowboarders, of mm-hmm. course. So I got heavy into this concept of flow and what exactly is flow? Mm-hmm. How do we get into flow? And then, of course, me being you know a coach and want to be athlete type of type of thing. It was like, OK, how can we learn this 
uh, skills and strategies to get into flow quicker mm. and how to stay there, right? Because then it's going to lead to optimal performance and whether it's, you know, sporting performance or just day-to-day -day performance. So I came across, I, I read that book and then it really got me stuck in a, in a flow and researching flow and a lot of the neuroscience behind flow and stuff mm. like that. And I came across um, an outfit or a company called uh, the HeartMath Institute. Uh, and a friend of mine was doing a bit of research with him back in the uh, uh, back at the time. He's a, um, a functional nutritionist. So kind of taking a look at nutrition in a whole kind of holistic approach, which again, is not really, doesn't really follow the mainstream trends. Um, so I came across HeartMath Institute and the HeartMath Institute is all about uh, what's called coherence. So getting your mm -hmm. heart in, in, into a state of what's called coherence. So that's kind of combining like your breath work, you know, with your heart rate and different things like that. And you can actually control your heart rate with the right type of breathing. So I kind of went down a whole rabbit hole of that. Um, I also got into a, a, in with a company called XPT. It's called Extreme Performance Training, where they actually certify people to be able to learn a lot of these breathing and recovery techniques mm -hmm. and then be able to coach it. Um, that was created by a guy named Laird Hamilton, a big wave mm -hmm. surfer, mm -hmm. um, who was actually mentioned. And there's this whole big old chapter in Rise of the Superman by Stephen Collar about Laird Hamilton. And, you know, because those guys, big wave surfing, it's it's kind of, I always laugh and it's like, it's another step further than full contact athletes, right? Rugby, yep. MMA, stuff like that. It's high risk. It's high stress. But at the end of the day, you know, you're not going to die, right? Like you're mm. going to get tackled really hard. You might break a bone. You're going to have an injury. Whereas, you know, these action sport guys, and especially these little kids I was working with, you see them, you know, go down a hill and hit a 40 foot jump. And, you know, they're spinning around six times in the air and landing. It's like, if they're off by like a millimeter mm. or, you know, if, it's such a high, higher risk compared to the full contact kind of sports that I had been involved with. So it just mm. opened up this whole kind of Pandora's box for me uh, about like this next level of stuff. And again, it's, you know, I always want to be the best in the world. So it's like, all yeah. right, if we can take the things that guys like these, you know, guys like Laird Hamilton, and these other big wave surfers and extreme sport athletes are doing, if we can mm. apply that to other sports and then, you know, just into mainstream, you know, general population, everyday things, it's like, man, there's so much that we can learn. So that's yeah. really where I kind of got into the, the heart math and understanding the magnetic field of, uh, around the heart and, you know, different types of things like that. Again, I, I wouldn't call my expert, uh, I wouldn't call myself an expert in that field, but it's definitely something that I'm interested in, something that, mm. you know, I've spent a number of years now just kind of picking up things along the way. I would love to learn more about it. I was even looking at doing a master's degree in neuroscience at one point, just because I, you know, I'm a big old nerd and, and geek at mm -hmm. heart. So I just love, you know, kind of like seeing this stuff. And then, you know, here we are now, 2021, you know, after that, you know, quite a wild year that we had in 2020 and yep. seeing all these people now start, you know, talking about, you know, the, the, the heart field and, and the heart and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, okay, going back to me being a conspiracy theorist, I was talking about this shit six, seven years ago and nobody wanted, yeah, everyone thought I was crazy. And now it's like, it's starting to come, you know, to, to the to the mainstream. So I love yeah. it. You know, I, I'm excited about it. So it's like, cool, here's what I know. What else can we learn type of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super hyped up on it. So I hope that answers your question. But yeah, that's kind of how I got into, into heart math and learning more about it. And then of course that, you know, opens up a whole other mm -hmm. rabbit hole into, you know, the world of, you know, quantum physics and quantum mm -hmm. healing and like, Again, I'm just geeking out over here. Time space dimensions. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm just de dipping my toe into uh, becoming supernatural with Joe Dispenza. And okay. You know, so yeah. I'm just starting to learn some of the phrases and heart coherence. And yeah. it's funny because I've just interviewed a, a a guy called Clyde Brolin who wrote a book called In the Zone, which is all about that in oh, the wow. flow state by high performing athletes. He was in, he was inspired by Edson Senna back in the 80s. Okay. And uh, 
he he describes Travis Pastrana, you know, his uh, double backflip, those pursuit of the oh shit, I'm gonna die moments, and which is one thing, you know, putting yourself in that state where time slows down and and all that. But how do you coach that stuff? Yeah, well, I guess that's you know the sixty four thousand dollar question. I'm still <laughs> yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah. It's it's one of those things, and and that's what becomes really hard with like a lot of the breathing techniques and the heart coherence mm. and all that stuff. It's like I'm understanding it, but to get somebody else to understand it, oh man, that can be so hard. I mean, you know, even big time professional athletes, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, don't necessarily have, you know, like the level of education. Some of these guys didn't even graduate high school. So it's like mm. the hard part in coaching, you know, becomes how do we get these really, really complex strategies, you know, science and stuff like that into, uh, you know, or how do we get it, uh, you know, I guess into a formula or, or, list of instructions so to speak mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for athletes to be able to understand i guess that you know that's the that's the biggest hardest thing um a lot of times you know just just having people aware of their breathing um so you know i, I still coach you know a couple classes a day now um at a, at a um, fitness studio right here around the corner and after every class the first thing that we do is you know once once everyone's done jump down lay down and let's start doing some recovery breathing and mm-hmm. just trying to get everybody to understand like you know put your hand on your heart and one hand on your belly the hand on your belly should be rising and lowering higher than the hand on your heart, you know, so that way you're not chest breathing, you're not mm. shallow breathing, you can actually mm. use your diaphragm and things mm. like that. So again, it can be quite difficult. I, I think that's one of the biggest challenges I'm always kind of coming across is, is getting, getting a lot of this information into a way that other people can understand. And that can mm. always be the hardest thing about coaching, you know, especially myself, you know, I've been at university and studying this stuff for 10 plus years. So like I can get a great understanding of it very quickly, but then being able to apply that to, to a member or an athlete or a client or something like that can be quite difficult. Mm. I think with being a coach as well, like I heard a phrase like you imitate until you can innovate. And I guess how has your 10 to 12 years in the industry really shaped some of the, your principles that you use now? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I think just even a couple of months ago, I had a friend ask me like, you know, when did your principles change? And I, I find that that's a very interesting question. I, and I don't, I, I want to say, and you know, maybe I, I'm a little wrong, but I don't think my principles really have changed. Mm. My methods have definitely changed, but my principle, you know, as a coach is always do no harm. I don't want to hurt my athletes at all, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and then preventing injuries. You know, there's a lot of uh, research come out back around 2009, 10, 11, 12 about injury prevention. A lot of people think that, you know, it's not possible to prevent injuries. A lot of people like myself think it absolutely is possible mm. to prevent injuries and just kind of taking those principles and, and developing them and, and improving the methods. So I want to say mm. my, my principles, so to speak, have never really changed. I've always kind of held my core values. You know what I'm saying with us as, as human beings, right? Like we're always changing and going through new experiences, things like that. But, you know, if you hold things like, you know, honesty and integrity and stuff like that, you know, near and dear, then everything else is going to change around that. But those core principles are going to mm. stay the same. So I guess my, my, principles around coaching have always have always been the same but my methods have changed i mean i couldn't even tell you how many times you know i even look back at some of the research that i did myself and i'm like oh i was a little off there you know but that's the beauty of science right and this is something i'm really trying to get people to understand in you know 2020 and 2021 is that science is just a method of investigation that's it mm-hmm. it's not a belief system mm-hmm. it's not a thing that you can you know uh, you know, believe or disbelieve, you know, if you don't believe the sun's going to come up in the morning because we're on a flat earth, well, sorry, but guess what? The sun's still coming up tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like things like that. So that, that's what I really love about science is that, you know, we're constantly just improving and improving and mm-hmm. taking things that we've done in the past and then looking at how we can improve that or, you know, shed more light on a specific topic. So I guess my own specific research was really just geared around like, Hey, I've, I know this and I've seen this and I, you know, I was 
fortunate to do a, I was fortunate enough to do an internship at uh, Stanford University back in 2011, which really kind of shaped, I guess, my philosophy around training and injury prevention and rehab and things like that. So that kind of molded my my core uh, core principles. And then at the research, we just wanted to do or sorry, with our research, we wanted to basically prove that all of that was happening. And so it's like the coach that I learned under, he'd been doing it for the past 10 years. His name is Shannon Turley. There's an article that you can look up in the New York Times that credits uh, credits him with um, decreasing the football team's rate of injuries by 86% mm. uh, over the course of six years, which, you know, in any full contact sport is absolutely unheard of. Like imagine taking the all blacks and saying like, you know, if you give me the time and resources and I can implement the system over the next five to six years, I can significantly and drastically reduce the amount of injuries that they're getting. And that's mm-hmm. something now it's like, I, I, you know, with my hand on my heart, I know we can do that anywhere, anytime. It's just getting the resources, getting the backing and stuff like that. But anyways, that's another topic of conversation i guess <laughs> yeah yeah and, and as a and as a, an american australian what are your feelings towards the all blacks i love them they're my favorite team on the face <laughs> of the earth i mean they're the best they're, they're the, the best at the highest pinnacle again i, I want to be mm-hmm. around the best in the world you know so it's like that, that. nobody gets better than them and that's you know that's as an australian you know i all my friends in australia hate me for getting you know, yep. i'm a traitor and i don't like the wallabies <laughs> but sorry but the wallabies you know the, the wallabies are perennial chokers, you know, they, they build themselves up, they get themselves to a great point, And then they just don't kick over to that next, you know, uh, category, whereas like the All Blacks, that's a dynasty. So, you know, anybody in any professional sport, any professional sport organization that I've worked in, I've always tried to, uh, you know, start implementing, you know, different types of culture from the All Blacks. And it's something I'm constantly uh, uh, reading and researching and a few of my old coaches that uh, are still in New Zealand, they've got experience with the All Blacks and, yep. and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's cool. Actually, on that note, um, last year I was working with the uh, San Diego Legion uh, here in the MLR, which is a major mm-hmm. league rugby in the U.S., and Ma Nani was on the team. So, I mean, you know, just just hanging out with that guy, just talking to him, just watching, you know, and me we're kind of watching it, you know, like as a coach, just noticing things that other people wouldn't notice. But, you know, it's like he'd always come to training and just got these little kind of quirks and habits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of at the end of his workout, he's always got his little bag with his supplements and his protein shake and just like little things like that. You know, a lot of the rookies on the team, they're probably not even noticing, but it's like, well, that's why, you know, he is the Michael Jordan of rugby. He's one of the mm-hmm. best in the world. And he's still, you know, however old he is, and he's still playing at the highest level, you know, it's like, so it's like little things like that. And again, that just to me is part of that, like winning culture. And so, yeah, I guess yeah. I, I love the All Blacks because they emulate that. And yeah. biggest thing is too, it's not just on field either. And that's always been something for me that, that I hold near and dear to my heart is as a coach, it's like, yes, I want to win games or I want to win this. But what I'm really trying to do is, is change or affect you know, this young man or this young girl's mm. life for the greater good, you know, it's, we can take, you know, sports, just a vehicle at the end of the day for myself, you know, it's, we can take lessons from sport and apply it to everyday life. So I guess that's really, for me, like the ultimate goal. So any kid that yeah. I've coached, it's like, I don't care if that kid goes on to, you know, win a game or win the world championship. That, essentially that's up to that kid, yep. but here's things that I can do and teach, you know, essentially is going to help that child or help that person, you know, throughout the rest of their life, you know, especially mm. we get into, you know, like the performance or stress management, a lot of this stuff, it's like humans just need to do this and more humans need to do it. You know, this is not just for world professional athletes. So I think mm. that's kind of something I've, I've really tried to work on and focus on throughout my career too. I love that. I love that. The, the All Blacks have a phrase, better people make better All Blacks. And I guess you're building 100%. better people. 100%. 100%. I love that. We, uh, I love the fact that you talk about wanting to be the best or surround yourself with the best. And I think this week, one of the best to ever do CrossFit retired. Matt Fraser oh. is, is retired. What are your thoughts on Matt Fraser? 
I'm, I'm honestly not the biggest CrossFit guy. Like I do obviously know about it. It's just not, I guess, you know, there's so many sports out there in the world and I was just kind of focused on the sports that I've paid attention to. So like, I do know a bit about CrossFit, you know, I know a lot of people that, that do it and have done it. And I know a few of the big names, but I mean, outside of that, that's, that's probably where my knowledge ends. <laughs> who is, um, who is someone that you look up to and respect and admire for, for being one of the best to ever do what they do? Oh, I mean, I, well, I guess uh, Ma'ananu, because I just said his name. He was like <laughs> like one of my favorites growing up as a kid. You know, guys like Michael yeah. Jordan. I mean, um, in, in the MMA world, it's a little debatable. But, you know, guys like Conor McGregor, I mean, he, he kind of encompasses the whole showmanship mm -hmm. of mixed martial arts and was really one of the first to to kind of change the game in that. And, and at the time, as he started coming up, because I, I started doing MMA when I was 15. So this is back in 2003 when it was pretty much illegal. And a lot of the guys that I was training with and, and, and some of my coaches, the only way that they could fight was going down in Mexico and, you know, fighting in, you know, bare knuckle in a chicken coop illegally. So to kind of see how the sports changed now and then yeah. really, you know, I guess Connor, Connor was a, a blessing and a curse. You know, a lot of the traditionalists say, you know, well, he just hyped himself up, but what he did was bring so many more eyes to the sport. Mm. You can't really deny his impact on, you know, MMA or UFC as a whole, you know, plus being the first, first guy to have, you know, championships in, in multiple divisions. He was great. But then even you can go further back a lot of, you know, uh, Cub Swanson, he was always a big, big time guy that I looked mm -hmm. out for when I was mm -hmm. younger, Chuck Liddell, you know, some mm -hmm. of those kind of first, first timer guys in the UFC back yep. again, way before it was, it was mainstream or popular. So mm -hmm. they're just, I guess some of the names that I think off the top of my head, um, and then for the most part, it's like just people that I know that I've coached, you know, that I know like on a personal level and you get to know them like as a human being rather than, you know, you know, this mm, big bravado mm. or, you know, this ego that you see, you know, advertised on TV and stuff like that. So, I mean, a number of different NFL players that I worked with at college that are still playing today. Um, Andrew Luck, who was, you know, arguably one of the best college quarterbacks ever. Um, he was just an awesome dude, super humble. He, every time me and him had the opportunity to talk, he was more interested in asking me questions about Australia and growing up in Australia than I mm. was, you know, talking to him about being football. Just, you know, mm. I think actually there's a, there's a video clip too of me and him on the sideline, all the games, all right. The defense, the defense is on the field quarterbacks, you know, taking a little bit of a break, taking a water break. And I'm sitting there teaching him how to throw an American ball, like a rugby ball. And it was somehow somebody caught it on film, like the ESPN camera saw it. So you just see this tiny, you know, me, tiny little intern dude sitting there yeah. throwing his ball to Andrew Luck. So, and again, Andrew, just seeing the habits that he had is, you know, that's why he was just, you know, another level above everybody else. Um, and then some of the players that he played with that, you know, they're still in the NFL now. And it's, you know, that was nearly 10, uh, nearly 10 years ago now, you know, so it's just like, you, you got to be good at what you do to be in the NFL for that long. You know, I think, I think it's like average, average career is like three years or something. You know, so any of the guys that are still still out there still playing like they're it's just it's mm. cool to see, you know, it's cool to see where how they go from college into that, you know, career and just keep dominating at such a high mm. level. Um, so that's just a few names off the top of my head. <laughs> What's your prediction for the Super Bowl? Um uh I got to go with the young guy, man. I'm, I guess maybe it's just, it, it's in my nature. You know, I'm a millennial, so we always get hated on. So I always love, you know, the, the new underdog coming in and taking out the old mm. dog. So I think mm. I, I think I take the Chiefs and, and, and Patrick Mahomes over Tom Brady. You know, it's good for Tom. He's, he's done it all and he's doing it with another team now. Um, but I always like the new guy. I don't know. I, I always kind of root for the underdog. So I feel like if that's Mahomes, then I'll be rooting for him. But I, I mean, you know, Brady's, Brady's a goat. 
as yeah. well. So it's hard to say. I just want to see a good game. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this this interview is going to go out after the uh, after the Super Bowl showing, so that oh, people will already know. People will already know, yes, and it'd be interested yes. to see. But you you touched on Conor McGregor there. What's the significance of Conor McGregor in your life right now? Uh, with okay, yeah. So um, he so obviously he just fought. I think last weekend or the weekend before now um, against mm. Dustin Poirier for the second time, um, and, and prior to that. Um, he launched a training app. Um, it's called Conor McGregor Fast, F-A-S-T, um, which is a training app that you can get on any of your um, uh, stores, Android or iOS. Um, and I was on that. That was pretty cool. I was one of the featured coaches um, that was actually in some of the uh, coach-led workouts. So there's a number of different things on the uh, program. You can do some workouts like with Conor, got him you know, doing some movements. There's some stuff that you can kind of do on your own, or they have uh, these kind of like on-demand workouts, right? So you can throw it up on your TV, throw it up on your phone, throw some headphones on. You can even choose your own music, mm. you know, and then you have a coach actually coaching you and leading you through the entirety of the workout. So I was fortunate enough to, um, to get, to get picked. And a, a friend of mine who was part of the project called me up. He's like, Hey man, he's like, we're struggling to find good people for this. He's like, I think you'll be perfect for it. Are you in? And he told me about, it. I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's give it a crack. You know? So that was pretty cool. So I went to a, a film studio up in LA for two days and, and we knocked out all the filming for that. Um, that was a cool experience. I've never, man, I've never done anything like that. I was like, mm-hmm. I rocked up and there's a 29 foot stage with, you know, like a 12 person sound and film crew. I was like, I felt like I was on a movie set, you know, and they're there to make me look good because I'm front and center being the coach, like doing a thing. So a couple of times I kind of had to like pinch myself, you know, yeah. and, like not get tongue tongue tied and be like, ah, like, you know, just act like I knew what I was doing. So it's kind of, you know, mm. like you said earlier, I, I kind of like fake it till you make it or mm. um, you know, <laughs> type of thing. So <laughs> it was cool though. But um, yeah, that's, yeah. I guess that's uh, the significance. Of, yeah. Just, just being involved with that project was really cool. I love that. I, I remember seeing Connor talk about his fast program as he was preparing to fight Mayweather. I think he was doing a lot of it. And um, what are the basic, uh, I won't say the word principles, but it's methods. What are some of the the methods behind uh, the fast program? Yeah, definitely. So um, fast is a, a head coach that Connor works with. I believe two, two fellows that he works with that are um, very big and have come from um, uh, triathlon training. So very, very big in the, in the, in the cardiovascular world. And so basically um, he started training with those coaches, I believe after one of the Nate fights, I think after the fight he lost with Nate um, to, to just improve his fitness. Um, and so basically they kind of created the system um, that's like red, red, green, and orange. And so basically these, these three zones are different training zones throughout the week and throughout the training program that you focus on. So green, uh, green being like long, slow distance cardio, improving your overall cardiovascular fitness, uh, orange being functional strength. So just improving like strength overall. So not your typical like bodybuilding style strength, which I think a lot of people are still stuck in that like method of training. Um, and then the, uh, the red one is like maximum heart rate. So that's when you're trying to get your heart rate up as high as you can. It's absolutely balls to the wall. And as you can imagine, especially with MMA fighters, you know, that's one of the biggest things for those mm-hmm. guys is, mm-hmm. is getting their heart rate up really, really high and being able to maintain it without losing your breath and kind of without losing your technique and stuff like that. So the kind of the whole entire system of McGregor Foss is based around those three different categories and then mm-hmm. just kind of tinkering with it and tailoring it, um, you know, to fit into your fight camp and your training camp and stuff like that, which is all, all through the app. So I think I did one orange zone workout and then three red zone workouts. So I was absolutely gassed. I think was, I put a couple pictures on my Instagram. You can see I just sweat pouring from my face because the hard part for me, right? Like I'm getting it worse than everybody. I got two athletes on either side of me. Mm. They're just sitting there quiet doing, doing the workouts. I'm doing the workout and talking and coaching through it the entire mm. time as well. So it's like, 
you know, my, my energy output is like five times everybody else's. So mm. a couple of times, you know, I got to stop and, and coach him for a second, try to, you know, fake like I'm talking, but I'm really just trying to catch my breath and be like, all right, here we go again. You know? So that was something new for me, something a little different. Um, but in saying that, I guess all last year during the first part of quarantine, we put all of our members onto an online platform. And that's basically how we're running our live, uh, mm. live mm. workouts. Everybody, mm. you know, just tunes into a zoom call you know, we crank up the tunes, you know, uh, through the computer and then, you know, boom, I'm going through, going through a workout. So it's kind of cool to, to have never done anything like that before last year and do it, you know, almost uh, every day, twice a day for that three months that we were really shut down here in LA. Mm -hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden at the end of the year, you know, have that skill that I'd now essentially learned or taught myself, have it applied to this massive platform, you know, through Conor McGregor, which was, was kind of wild. <laughs> mm. I love it. I, uh, Oh, such envy for this is it Hermosa Beach and uh, LA is one of my favorite places I've ever been and uh, I do see your stories and uh, every now and again I have to put my eyes over the budgie smugglers that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the Australian in me for sure Americans yeah. don't understand the whole budgie at all <laughs> it's amazing um, what uh, how would someone describe your coaching style so they're observing you are you at the front are you there's loads of uh, memes going around about peloton instructors and what they're like what's your really? yeah. what's your coaching um, style oh man that's a good question i guess i would always i guess personally i would always love to say like um, anything in life is lead by example um you know so like if i'm doing a workout and i'm leading people through a workout i'm going harder than everybody doing mm. the workout you know it's mm. like if i always set the bar and if i set the standard then everybody else has something to follow so it's like even these classes that i do um here daily you know it's the same thing i'll have you know a member try to call me out or like you know we're doing box jumps you know like oh i can beat your box jump all right triple it and then i'll finish it you know so like stuff like that i always <laughs> you know always got to set the bar and so that's kind of how i earned the nickname boss especially my last name is Busan. It gets just absolutely butchered all the time. Mm. Um, and so just the, the, you got cut out and some somehow boss stuck, but you know, that's, that's always, you know, the, the fun part now is people are like, Oh, you know, you got to beat boss. So, you know, here's how to, here's the standard. Like I said, I always try to kind of lead the way. So yeah, I'm not really sure though. I don't know. I, I would like, I, I would hope my athletes also agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> what is the, <laughs> what is the phrase always better than yesterday mean to you? Uh, I mean, just that always getting better than yesterday. It's something that we talk about in, in sport a lot, and especially at the highest levels, you know, 1% yep. better than the day before. So it's like, whatever it was that you did yesterday, that's now in the bank. That's now done. It's in the mm -hmm. past. There's nothing you can do about it. What can you do to improve upon that? Right. And so if you're constantly striving to get better, um, then there's just, you know, constant growth and constant improvement, you know, and I, I think that's not, not just important for, you know, like health and fitness and training. I think it's important for all aspects of life, you know, just like as a person or, you know, becoming more empathetic, being more understanding of people, you know, being able to listen better. I think, you know, mm. especially in today's day and age, a lot of people listen to reply rather than listen to listen, if that makes sense, you know? Mm. So, um, you know, for, for me, that's, that's, it's kind of a mantra or a moniker that I always try to live, you know, whether it's something that I say, or again, just kind of like leading by example, I'm always trying to get better than, than yesterday. If I did something yesterday and I'm doing it again today, I want to, I want to improve on, it. I want to make it better. I want to get more people involved. I want the people that are doing it to get more out of it or whatever it is. I just always looking for that kind of constant growth um, and, and just constant improvement in, in all aspects of everything, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. And, and this is why I'm drawn to you and your content and uh, I love, appreciate what you, it. love what you represent, my friend. And I'd just be honored if you could leave us with a final thought from your good self. 
Who, uh, so one of my favorite quotes of all time is tradition is the enemy of progress. Um, I think mm-hmm. especially in today's day and age, that's something that we need to take a look at. A lot of the traditions that, you know, we've had as a society, it's time to, it's time to scrap them and start building new and better ones that, you know, make things more accessible to more people, make things, you know, more uh, um, understandable for more people, all those kind of things. So, yeah, I guess that, that, that'd that be my uh, last kind of final thought is tradition is, is the enemy of progress. So, you know, mm-hmm. let's, uh, and in the spirit of collaboration and innovation, you know, that, that's the only way that we're all going to get better and, you know, continue to improve things, I think. Love it. My friend, it's amazing to connect. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. No, I appreciate you having me on. There we go, episode 121. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend it here with us at the Always Better Than Yesterday community. As I like to do at the end of all the interview sessions, I like to kind of reflect on some of my key takeaways. And I absolutely love what Matthew said around, if I can't be the best, I want to be around the best. How would things look differently if you applied that to your mindset? Who would you start spending your time with? Who would you start seeking out, learning from? Whether they were an actual mentor and they knew about it or they were a virtual remote mentor, start YouTubing or consuming their social content or reading their books, whatever that might be. What if you made the decision to be around the best? What would that look like? Ponder that. Thanks for taking your time out of your day, spending it here with us. Look forward to having you back with us next time. Make sure you subscribe, share it with that one person you'd love to inspire too. And I will speak to you again soon. Keep listening. Always love.